we're going to read from Acts chapter 1, starting at verse 1. It's Luke writing, and he says, In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, he's writing to his mate Theo, Theo, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptised with water, but in just a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, Has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. And this is the verse I want to focus on. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two, robed men, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. And those were reckoned to be angels, and those angels said to the disciples, and those staring intently up into the sky... Why are you standing here staring into heaven? Do as he told you. Go and wait for the promised Holy Spirit. There's no point just standing there waiting. There's something to do. So just a little bit of background about the the book of Acts, the book that we're looking at. The book of Acts was written by Luke of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John fame. He also wrote one of the biographies of Jesus, which is in the New Testament. Now Luke was an educated man, probably not a Jew by birth. There are a number of things that point to that. Uh, Firstly, his name is not a typically Jewish name. His grasp of Greek, the style of writing, and the fact that Paul, the Apostle Paul, lists him with his non-Jewish travelling companions in one of his letters, all just point to the fact that Luke was an educated... He's often called a doctor. I don't know if that means he was a medical doctor, but obviously a man uh, of high education. And Luke wrote his Gospel, the account of Jesus' life, um, because, as as he put it, he wanted to give an orderly account of the life of Jesus. And this, this book of Acts is almost like part two, or volume two of his writings, which gives a systematic account of the early church, the birth of the Christian church, and it's, and it's spread around that part of the world. So these verses that we look at, they almost join the two together, the book of, the, the, the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and the book of Acts, um, a, a sort of hinge on these, this chapter in, in Acts chapter 1. So those early Christians were told to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. On verse 4 and 5, what we just read, it says, 
it says, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptised with water, but in just a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. And if you read into the next chapter of Acts, maybe while you're waiting for your Sunday dinner, you'll read the account of when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, when, when they saw tongues of fire and that there was a rushing wind indoors and then things changed dramatically for those early believers. You can read that, like I say, in Acts chapter 2. So we shouldn't be standing around staring into space waiting for Jesus to come back, right? waiting for the Holy Spirit to be poured out because the Holy Spirit has been poured out on all people. He has been given to the church for the last 2,000 odd years. We have the Spirit. He is with us right now and at the end of this service we're going to encounter Him and we're going to have opportunity to reach out to Him to touch us in different ways and encourage us and speak to us in different ways because He's here. But like, like I said... I want to focus on verse 8 of Acts chapter 1 that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth in, in Bermondsey, in Camberwell, in Newcross and Peckham and going right even over the other side of the river because of the power of God right so I just want to look at two main phrases in that verse 8. First of all, you will receive power. You will receive power. Power to do what? Power for what? Well, first, first of all, we could say there's power to love, power to, 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 to love and receive love. In Romans chapter 5, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the church at Rome, and this is in chapter 5 of that letter. It says, For we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. We receive God's love through the Holy Spirit. The creator of all things loves me. And he loves you. The one who spoke and stars appeared in space chose you before he even made the world. That's how much he loves you. It's a genuine, powerful, tangible love from the God of all creation to you today. We should emulate that love. We should imitate that love. In, in one, one of... John's letters in 1 John chapter 4 it's, it tells us we love because he first loved us in response to his love for us we reach out in love to others God calls us to love him and to love others that's the church isn't it we don't, we don't keep it to ourselves we don't lock ourselves in our rooms we love, we reach out we connect we serve. We love God and we love others. You know, you know when Jesus was questioned about the commandments, do you remember that, that time in, in Matthew's Gospel? And, and he was questioned about the, the greatest commandment. He said, in response to that question, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, Jesus said. A second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. 
I've said this is going to be a double act. At this point, I'm going to invite Denise to come up onto the stage to rapturous applause. And Denise is going to be illustrating some of the things I say um, as we go along. She's going to hold this microphone, but she's also going to hold this for the recording as well, because we're a bit low-tech today with all the kits spread over three sites. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind, I think is one of the most important things. And it is something that I pray every day. On my way to school, every day, I pray, Jesus, help me to love you with all my heart, all my, mind, all my soul and all my strength, and to love others as myself. Because if we don't pray that, we won't be doing it. We think we're doing it, but we, you know, God will give us the power to do it even more. And I really feel like one day when we come face to face with God, he's not going to say, you know, how well did you do in your job or how much money did you make or any of these sort of things. What did you collect and keep? It will be, what did you do with my love? Did you ask for, you know, did you love me with all your heart and did you then love others? And it, we, we know that verse so well, but I think it's something to... Every day, say to yourselves, I want to love you with all my heart. Can you help me? And to love others, too. Um, you know, and it, it's a big thing. And God does do that. Because when you work with people, uh, you know, when you've got children at home, they're hard to love sometimes when they're being really naughty or it's hard work. Um, I work with children, and some of the children I work with are not the easiest children. And a lot of people would not naturally bond with them but they're the ones that I want to love and this is where it comes into practice and I have to say Jesus help me to love them and I always end up seeing something good in them kids something lovely so it ends up easy to love them then but in our own strength we can't do it so I think them verses are really important Amen. stay there if she's going to be up again you can clap at, at the end I think <laughs> She might be old, John, but she ain't that old. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So let's get back onto this subject of love before we get the the crowd um, joining in too much. So what does what does this Holy Spirit inspired love look like? The love that we shouldn't hold lightly. Well. Thankfully, the Bible tells us. I don't know, when you go to a wedding, you almost always hear the verses verses read from 1 Corinthians chapter 13 about love, a definition of love. And at a wedding, you're going, oh, isn't that nice? Listen, this isn't just for weddings. This is for us. This is for us in our church community. This is us in our communities uh, uh, that we connect with, in our work communities or where we live. Listen listen to the words of 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 to 7, describing love. Love is patient and kind. Love isn't jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It doesn't rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, 
and endures through every circumstance. Does that describe the love you show to your spouse, your kids, your family, your colleagues, your neighbours? It's such a high bar, isn't it? You know, even as I was preparing this, uh, this section of this, I think, man, this is serious stuff. That's what love is. But man, if we live that right, how good is it? How good will it be? You know, that level of love shown not just to us, the nice, smiley Christians, but like Denise said, to the, to the people who are often unlovely. You know, she described the difficult kids, who are only a product anyway, aren't they, of their environment. But we work with difficult, you may work with difficult adults as well. But that level of love will be a powerful thing. A love that comes from the Holy Spirit and works through us. So love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. The power of the Holy Spirit enables us to love in that sacrificial way. So we need to turn to him. Like Denise said, every morning praying, Lord, I want to love like that. And that way you won't want to fight them or shout at them or ignore them. (laughs) You're more likely to be involved in the Holy Spirit in your day-to-day life at that point. So you will receive power to, to love and be loved. You will receive power... To, to grow the fruits of the Spirit. Some of us are familiar with the fruits of the Holy Spirit. They're listed in one of the New Testament letters. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives from Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. They're the fruits of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Someone who's filled with the Spirit, you know, like when, when you plant an apple tree, you get apples, right? When you plant the Holy Spirit in someone, you get love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Denise, what have you got to say about that? I just think it's great that at our fingertips, we've got all these things. God has given them to us, that they're there for our... Our good, we can, and for the good of others. So every single day, we can pray for these things and know God will give them to us. And you, you, every day, you don't know what's coming your way that day. Nobody knows. You could have a great day. You could have a really bad day. Something awful could happen. We, no one knows. But every day is a new day, and we don't know what we're going to need for it. So it's like when you look in your fridge when you're going to go shopping, you don't want to buy everything you've already got, got loads of. So we look in there and we see what we need and make a little list. But every day, you might not feel very joyful. You might wake up and think, I don't feel very joyful today. So we can pray, Jesus, can you give me some joy today? I need some joy. If you're worried about something, you can pray, Jesus, I need peace. And only God can give you that peace that is deep inside, that nothing else can give you. Only God can give you that. Patience. When someone is driving you mad, you might be with your children, they're not well, and or whatever, and you think, oh, I'm really going to lose it. 
and you can say, Jesus, I need patience. If you need some extra kindness, sometimes you can go that extra mile for someone. You don't really want to, but you can say, Jesus, I need a bit more kindness, and he'll give it to you. And goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. All them things are there at our fingertips, and we have to ask God. We get so used to these things that sometimes we do forget to ask, and we do it in our own strength. And we end up getting annoyed, we end up getting angry, and we have a, a horrible day. But when we take the time to ask for them, God will give them to us. Amen. Amen. You will receive power. Power to love and be loved. Power to grow the fruits of the Spirit. You will receive power to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I know there's a lot of Bible in here today, but the Bible is truth and we need the truth, don't we? So I'm going to read one of the lists of the gifts of the Spirit. It's not the definitive one, but there's a lot of them in here from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the first uh, letter to the church at Corinth. And it talks about those spiritual gifts, those Holy Spirit gifts. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. It's not just for the individual. It's like, do you remember Milkman? The Milkman has a load of milk, he gives it out. Right? It's, not, it's for the common good. To one, there is given, through the Spirit, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge. By, by means of the same Spirit, to another faith, by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing, by that one Spirit. I'd like us, we're going to be praying for people who are not well at the end of this meeting. Right. Um, to, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of languages, and to still another, the interpretation of those tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. What an array of gifts. The, the people of God should be a supernatural people. Right? We live in a fallen world, but we can take the supernatural to, uh, to, to this earth and see transformation come. Supernatural power can get the attention of those who would deny God. I've seen it so many times. Hey, when, when, you, when you, God gives you supernatural insight into somebody's life, and you, just, you, know, you have to use wisdom how to say it, it can open up a situation. I remember the, I was a very, very new Christian and somebody told me about these spiritual gifts. I thought, man, that's exciting. And he said, come, we're going to go out and speak to some people about Jesus on the street. I was only a young, um, and, and, the fir- I was, and he said, we're going to pray. And we're praying and praying. I said, Jesus, the first person I speak to, I want to know something about them that God's given me. And as I got chatting to this lady, when she was a neighbour, knocked on the door and said, oh, Hi, I'm, I'm Paul from the local church, I'm just chatting about Jesus and that. And God, God spoke to me and just said, I just knew very clearly, she is recently divorced. Now, I didn't go, oh, you're recently divorced, didn't you? Because <laughs> that probably wouldn't have helped. <laughs> but I was able to, I was able to just tailor my... The things I said, how I said it, sensitively. You know, I talked about the love of God, which will never let her down. I talked about the love of God, which is pure and perfect in every way. 
Right? So, can you see how God speaks and to, to, to help people? Um, I'm sure Denise has got some things to say about this as well. She always has. Right. Get off. Um, <laughs> a few years ago, if you ever wanted to sort of pray for people and do that, you almost half expected in a really weird way, other people could relate to this, you didn't really think much would happen, but you'd pray anyway. And sometimes not a lot always did happen. But I think it's a new day today, and I really do feel it's time to really go out again and start really praying for people and really believing God will do something. God is going to do things. We've seen it ourselves over the, you know, the last few uh, year or so. We've seen people get healed. We've seen people set free. We're telling people about Jesus, and we're seeing them um, become Christians really quickly and easily. So God is at work. But it's really easy to discount yourself and look at other people and think, to be honest, that's sort of the thing they would do. I would say everyone in here can go out and do that. If I can do it, honestly, anyone can do it. Because it's not me who's doing it, and it won't be you doing it. It's God with you. And it, and it really is exciting. When you see something exciting happen, it makes you want to go and do it again, to pray for people again. So I would say really go out of your way if you're with someone at work and there's no one else there to do it and you think just be brave just say can I pray for you just do it and you'll be amazed at what God will do thank you so you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you power to love and be loved power to grow in the fruits of the spirit power to step out with the gifts of the Holy Spirit and if you don't if you're not familiar with these things look them up in the Bible but you will receive power and he goes on to say you will be my witnesses you'll be my witnesses one of one of the greatest misconceptions um, held by Christians today is that people don't want to know about God anymore you know, we talk about, the, we, we, we're doing that series under the big heading of, you know, being a Christian in a post-Christian society. We say, it's a post-Christian society, people's values are different, they don't want to know anymore. My experience is the exact opposite of that. Right? People, people are hungry for God. And they know less about Him, and they don't, and they don't know how to find Him. Which is why we've got a, there's a calling on our lives to, to, to reach out to people. But listen, the Holy Spirit has created a hunger in people. Right? A hunger for God in the hearts of thousands, millions actually, across this city, across our nation and the nations. And he's put the same Holy Spirit in us to communicate effectively to them. Right? People are ready to hear you. It doesn't matter what your personality is. It doesn't matter whether you're a shy introvert. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. You could be a shy introvert who only became a Christian last week. You have got the words of eternal life. And he will use your personality of being a slightly shy introvert. He will use that. That's his gift to you. It'd do your head in, wouldn't it, if everyone was an extrovert with a load of bit with a big mouth? <laughs> We're diverse in, in so many different ways as a, as a people of God here. 
You know, Jesus himself said it to underline the fact that people are ready. He used uh, the analogy of farming because the communities he was speaking to are by and large farming communities. He said the fields are ripe for harvest. He was using that imagery. Look, the, the, fields, the, the harvest is ready. Go and reap the harvest. Elsewhere he said the harvest is plentiful. It's the labourers, the workers that are few. So pray for workers. That's one of the easiest prayers that you can pray and then be the answer to your prayer straight away. Lord, send workers out into the harvest field. Here I go. Right? That's us. Under the power of the Holy Spirit, who has compelled us to love and be loved, who has given us the fruits and the gifts and everything we need, to go and be a witness. How are we going to be a witness? Well, let me just explain what witness means in, in as much as I've looked, just went on to an online dictionary. Um, but the word witness, witness, to see, hear or know by personal presence and perception. So to witness an accident. You see and hear an accident and you can describe what you saw, couldn't you? Right? Or, or to, to, to bear witness to, to testify to, to give or, aff or, or afford evidence of something. So you're speaking about something. You can do that. We can all do that. That's why we're called to be witnesses. Not just with our words, but with our actions, and also with the power of the Holy Spirit. And conveniently, and you may have heard these headings before, I'm going to look at the, to what it is to be a witness under three headings. With our words, and our works, and our wonders. Romans chapter 10 it's the letter to the church at Rome. Paul said this. He says, first of all, he says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a big statement, isn't it? But how can they call on him to, to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? When people say, I, only, I preach the gospel with my actions, I don't need words, think... Yes, you do need words. The Bible says so. Of course you've got to use your actions to back it up. But we must speak. How can they, how can they hear unless someone tells them? Right? It's very clear. We have to speak it out. We need the Holy Spirit to give us boldness to be witnesses to speak it out. Right? There's the story of Peter and John who were arrested for speaking it out. Right? They were preaching and, and healing the sick as well in Acts chapter 4. And it, the, the response when they were taken before the Jewish ruling council and they banged up in prison. But it says this, it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realised they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. When we're with Jesus, he changes us, doesn't he, Denise? Just carry on, go on, I'll see you the next. I want, I want you to talk about um, your experience in, uh, in your education and how that impacted people's lives. Do you think you could do that? Go on I, when I was at school, I left school with no qualifications at all. I didn't do anything at school. I didn't take one exam. I just, I didn't really like school and I, I, I couldn't, it didn't hold my attention, so I didn't really learn much. When I left school, I left quickly and I didn't have any, no, I didn't sit an exam, didn't have any um, qualifications at all. 
and then it wasn't that long before we had a family and I had the kids and I could sort of hide behind the kids a bit and I loved being a mum so I felt that, that was my calling to be a mum but then gradually the kids grow up and suddenly you think oh sometimes I feel really um, not very clever not at all and I'm often around people who are talking about stuff that I've got no idea what they're talking about but if I'm with Paul Paul can sort of chip along and then he'll sort of water it down for me to understand but, and we've kind of got along like that. But then one day when I read them verses about being unschooled and God got hold of them, that really, really spoke to me. And I remember Angela Kem, who used to come to this church, really pointed that out. And she said, you know, it's not about education. These were unschooled people, the disciples, and God got hold of them and used them. It's about what God can do with you, not about what you... Um, you know, I mean, God uses people who are educated. I'm not saying that, but He also uses people who aren't educated, and it really gave me a hope. And so, you know, when I pray for people, I I don't feel so inferior anymore. And there's a lady at my school the other day, and we had an assembly, and it was her birthday. And it was a special birthday, so the head teacher asked me if I'd go and pray for her. So I just put my hand on her, you know, and prayed that she'd have a good birthday and God would bless her. And I didn't think no more of it. The next day, one of the teachers, who's one of the most qualified in the school, she's, she's got a PhD, she's a doctor, she came and found me and said, Denise, can I speak to you? So I said, yeah. And she said, would you, um, can I talk to you? And she, she just spoke about how her brother had died suddenly a while ago. And she was really suffering. She said, I saw how you prayed for her would you pray for me and can I talk to you? And I said, yeah. She just cried and I was prayed for her and it was really special little moment, you know. And I just thought, it didn't matter. She was really educated and I wasn't. That didn't come into it. I was just being Jesus to her. And we just, she just hugged me and the next day she was smiles and it was her birthday and I was able to sort of chat to her again. But something happened there and we were two ends of the scale but God brought us together. So it doesn't matter if you're not educated Educated. If God can use me, he can use anybody, honestly. Brilliant. They're clapping you a lot, aren't they? I think they like you. So, so that's our words. We are to be witnesses with our words, with our works, the things we do, how we are with our families, with our kids, with our spouses, how we are in the workplace. People are watching us all the time, you know. As soon as they know you're a Christian, mate, they're going to be, the, they're more your conscience than the Holy Spirit is sometimes. Right? As soon as you know, as soon as you step out of line slightly, it's like, Roy, call yourself a Christian. Have you experienced that? Yeah. Come on, mate. <laughs> so, but what, I'm saying that because people are watching. And so how we conduct ourselves is important. It's, and, and obviously there's the thing we do proactively as well. Um, Denise, tell us some of the things that you do proactively, even in, in your workplace. Okay, it's like acts of kindness and stuff, isn't it? And I was, even some of the people I work with are old moaners, and that's the truth. They are. But they're Don't lovely. But no, they're lovely, but some of them are. They, that's just the way they are. But I always try to do the right thing. I do try. I don't always do it, but I do try. 
So there was one day, and this really spoke to me, um, we were going to the beach for the day, and there was this great big heavy bag loaded up with stuff, and the teacher put it on the table, and I see everyone looking at it like that, as if like, I ain't carrying that all day, and I remember thinking the same myself, sort of distancing myself from this bag, I thought I ain't carrying that down to um, Southend and back, but one lady who wasn't even a Christian said, oh I'll take it, I felt so bad, because I hadn't said I wouldn't take it, but I, I knew I wasn't, I didn't want to take it, and she said go on up, and she was sort of trying it out, see if it was alright, and then in the end they shared the stuff out, but I made a point that day, I said Jesus I will never do that again, I will be the one to say go on I'll take it, and not make a big fuss, I will do it, and it's little things when we go up for coffee in the mornings, people shoot upstairs, just make their own coffee and make themselves a little bit of breakfast, they don't, I'll always go up there, and this makes it sound like I'm showing off, I'm really not, but I will always make coffee for all the girls I work with, and um, I just think it's little things like that that speak to people, it's them little acts of kindness, if I'm going over the shop I'll always say to someone, do you want anything, and if it doesn't cost much, they say, oh here's a pant, I say, oh don't worry about it, if we go and get coffee sometimes, I'll think, oh I'll get them, it's them little things that speak to people, you come across as kind and generous, and them little actions speak a lot to people, so yeah, we just have to be mindful of, you know, just someone's giving someone a hug, just, just looking at where can I be kind? What would Jesus do if he was around? And it, it's, say there, Dan, it's a combination. It's not just words. You know, we, we must proclaim the good news about Jesus. But it's a combination of what you say and what you do, isn't it? And everyone can do this. You don't have to be a top theologian. We can go and love people. We can go and speak to them. We can go and serve people. And the third, the third one, which I just want to touch on briefly, um, is by the wonders we perform, the miracles. So we are to be as witnesses through our words, through our works, and through the, through the wonders, if you like. You, you see the alliteration there, can't you? So, so Den, just talk, talk a little bit around that subject of miracles and wonders like that. I think different people have faith for different things when they pray. And some people have faith for, like, legs to grow... And some, you know, because they've seen them grow, so then their faith grows, and they think, right, anyone got one leg shorter than the other, and they pray for all the legs to grow. One of the things I, I really have got faith for is God to provide financially. So if people need money and they're desperate, I have faith for that because I've seen God do that many, many times. And so that wouldn't be a problem to me if we needed loads of money or something, some money for something. I know God would provide, and if He didn't, it's because we weren't meant to have it. Um, another thing is praying for people to get pregnant. I've prayed for people over the past and God has stepped in and they've had a baby. And some bit we went to one church and I knew there was somebody there that God wanted to, them to be prayed for, to have a baby. And when I said it they said, oh she's not even in it, she's doing the kids work. They went and got her, I prayed for this girl and I just knew God said pray for her, pray for her. She was crying. I didn't think no more of it. Six months later we got a, um, an email, Paul did and he was saying, do you know this name of this Person, I think, no. Then I thought, oh, it's the girl we prayed for. She was about four months pregnant and she wanted to let us know she was having a baby. So, uh, because that's happened a few times, I really have got faith for that. So, God will give you faith for different things. When you reach out and pray for people and you see things happen, your faith will rise and you'll have faith for that. So, we'll all be working in different ways because we'll all have faith for different things. Amen. Amen.
Amen. So we can know the power to be witnesses. It's great, isn't it? That's what we're called to be. We can't afford to be selfish with the good news about Jesus, can we? You know, by sharing our faith in Christ with others, we're playing our part in transforming this world for Jesus. By sharing our faith on a day-to-day basis, we're advancing the kingdom of God just that little bit at a time. And as the whole of City Hope does that, then you know, who knows what's going to happen? Who knows what's going to happen to the community you live in, to the place where you work? Right? We read history books about these revivals breaking out, whole schools becoming Christians, people in factories dropping to their knees, repenting of the things they've done wrong. Why not today? Why not today where you work or where you live? Because God is on the move, right? Listen, I'm going to finish with a couple of questions, right? And a few statements. But first, first question is this. Do you know this God? Do you know this God that we're talking about? Because if you don't, you can, get into, you can get to know him today. Right? The God who people surrender to. If you were here a few weeks ago at that baptism service, you heard people say, I follow Jesus now. And they they went through that water as a sign that they'd done it. If you don't know Jesus, there's going to be an opportunity as we have coffee and stuff later to come and chat to someone and find out a bit more. But but, but also I want to ask a question. Do you you want to be more effective with the words you speak and the things you do and the miracles you work? Then we can come to the Holy Spirit for that. Right? Do you want to be a witness, is what I'm saying. Do you want to know the power? Do you want to know the power to love and be loved? Do you want to know the power to, to, to see the fruit in your life? Do you want to know the power to step out in spiritual gifts? If you do, would you stand and we'll pray for a little while. It is 12 o'clock. Um, I'm going to make a command decision in two minutes we go and collect the children the rest of us keep praying the kids can come into a praying environment that's okay all right those those questions are a little bit general but i'm going to ask if god's prompted you specifically um, to maybe open your mouth a bit more to speak for him if you could put your hand up lots of people okay Keep your hands up just a minute. If God, you feel God is prompting you specifically to step out in one or, one or more spiritual gifts, maybe you think, yeah, I should be laying hands on the sick and I don't do it, or speaking words of knowledge. If that's you, could you put your hand up? If you've already got a hand up, I suppose you could put two up. Yes. <laughs> I'd love to pray for the Holy Spirit to come on you. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here. You were poured out 2,000 odd years ago and your promise is that you are here now as two or more are gathered in your name. You're here, you say it. And I pray for each of these people who are hungry for more. Who wherever they are in their walk with you want to do more. And I pray, give them the, the desires of their heart, Lord. That they want to speak for you. Some of them may find it difficult. They don't know what to say, but their passion is to do it. Holy Spirit, fill them and fill their mouth with the words to say. Come, Lord. Come. Put, give them opportunities uh, wherever they are during the week. To, to, and they think, man, I've never, never thought I'd say that. I never thought I'd do that. Lord, give them the words to say at the right time. with all the boldness and wisdom that that needs and Lord I pray for spiritual gifts 
Whatever that gift may be that you've been seeking, the Bible says we should seek them earnestly. We should work hard. I pray spiritual gifts be released in this room in a way that we've never seen. And not to be confined to this room, but to be taken into the workplace and taken into the marketplace and taken into families. I pray that there'll be a release of gift in this place. That many testimonies will come back over the coming weeks of, of th this day being the pivotal moment. That, that gifts of knowledge will be released. Gifts of healing, gifts of wisdom, gifts, gifts of prophecy that unlock situations will be released in this room as a result of today. Come Holy Spirit. Come Lord. That we would be witnesses for you. Thank you for the promise that we will receive power. Thank you that you promise it. Now Lord, let that power be released in this room. And as we leave here to go, then, then, then change will come. The gospel, the gospel preached with word and deed will bring transformation to our communities. To Bermondsey. Lord, I pray for Bermondsey. I pray change Bermondsey. Make it, make it uh, let his reputation be, be such that people will point and say, you, you don't know what that place used to be like. I used to drive through there 30 years ago. Now look at it. It's full of Christians. Lord, let the reputation of this place be changed because your people are faithfully doing what you've called us to do under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Let your power fall, Lord. Let your power fall. Come to us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, guys, don't leave this that, that little prayer in this room. When you go to your connect groups and your connect communities, even if you're having, having people around, pray. Step into those things and we can see massive change. There's two, two people who have got things to say. We better get, we've got to do it quick to the kids. It's my fault. <laughs> um, Dennis.